DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz and Kansas City Chiefs superfan. <laughs> hey, good morning, guys. You feeling good about this season? Well, I'd say as long as, uh, you know, we don't, uh, the Chiefs don't find the injury bug or, you know, an issue with COVID. Pretty impressive, to be honest. I gotta be. I gotta be honest. I like their chances, but you never know. After fifty years of repeat, your head would explode. <laughs> oh, I don't know what I'd do. Back to back? Are you kidding? Unbelievable. But yeah, that's a long way to go. Long way. Playoffs to go. are tough. Playoffs are tough to get through. What's it like to be a Chiefs fan in that area? Because it's not a you know it's a big city, but it's also not a major metropolitan area by any stretch. Right, right. No, it's it's a close uh, close community, um, but it's growing just like Salt Lake. KC's kind of a hidden gem. I know that people shake their head at me and go, "Are you kidding?" It's the Midwest, but you know it's very hilly. It's very you know trees. Uh, I guess what you know people always tell me, like, "How did you go to school at Kansas State?" You know, and, and I said, "Well, it's really a gorgeous campus, and it's right in the Flint Hills, and Kansas gets a pretty um, you know." bad shake for being flat and true once you get past junction city kansas you can put it on autopilot and basically take it into denver i mean that's just a it's a straight shot down i-70 you know westbound but i mean it's a state of wheat and corn uh but the kansas city area is unbelievable i i love it uh it's hot yeah it's humid absolutely but you didn't know any better when you were a kid um that's just the way it was when you went outside you know you knew you sweat and a lot of it, but it's a tight it's a tight sports community. I think there's kind of that same feeling in Salt Lake, where a little bit of us against them. Um, you know, the the non-believers that how could you know a, a team in Kansas City actually you know build a, a Super Bowl caliber team? But you know, drafting uh, obviously has been a big big factor. And then when you have a Patrick Mahomes like a Donovan Mitchell, you start to to land you know, certain players that that will fill the gaps. And that's what Kansas City's done with Mahomes, just good draft picks and a heck of a coach, man. Andy Reid is well-beloved in the NFL, and a lot of players love playing for him. So I think those are all the little keys that, that help any franchise, you know, rise back to the top. Who do you fear? I fear injury. Uh, I do, man. In this day and age, you know, you, you lose a Kelsey, you lose a Mahomes, uh, you lose uh, the cheetah uh, and 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 Hill, and and all of a sudden you lose, um, you know, weapons. And I think that's one thing too that when I look around the NFL, you know, Brady in New England had so many weapons for so long, and then you know Gronkowski left, and then you know has reunited with him in Tampa Bay. But you have to have those special. Those special players and connections, you know, uh, and I think you find that with Mahomes and Kelsey and uh, and Tyree Kill. Um, I mean, it's it's they they've given Mahomes, as you know, guys, weapons to use to make his game at an elite level. I mean, he's had one pick. I'm just I just I'm looking at his stats: 21 TDs, and he's averaging over 300 yards. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And he's able to roll out and slingshot a lot of footballs around the around the field. If you ever watch the Chiefs, I mean, you have to be impressed with this young guy. He he seems to be beyond his years and the ability to read defenses, and that's 
that's the other part of it too is just you know that, that we all say IQ football basketball you know IQ but definitely he he has the ability to scan a field quickly uh, Alex Smith had it um, you know I think obviously uh, Aaron Rodgers and and uh, Brett Favre and Tom Brady there's just special guys who can glance, and Tony Romo can tell you what's going to happen before it even happens when he's doing games with Nance so uh, I think that's uh, another part of his game that sometimes is overlooked. I think Andy Reid here, what he did, what he has done with the Chiefs, is one of the great building slash coaching management, whatever you want to call it, jobs literally in the history of sports. Because you look at where they were before yeah. he got there, and you look at where they are now, and it is just absolutely the ultimate impressive. And and DJ can vouch for this. We've talked about this. It has always amazed me how franchises at the professional level build themselves because you look at college and if you got the interest in the money, you know, the Ohio States and Alabamas of the world, well, you can understand why they're good. You know, they have a rabid fan base, so much passion. They put so much money into it. But the pros, you know, basically things are even, not completely, but everybody has an opportunity to be good. So not just specifically to Andy, but to see what he's done there is really remarkable. And you wonder, why do not franchises model themselves after the success because it seems like there's a recipe out there and if you follow it you should be able to have success and respond to that because it just it amazes me how some are consistently good like the Steelers year after year after year and here they are right now still undefeated and then other franchises seems like they suck all the time <laughs> there's a lot to that PK, I tell you what I get, and it's in college as well, even more so now in the college ranks. Uh, it's just a rotation of, of coaches and the inconsistencies. It's it's uh, general managers who try to take over the head coaching job, and and coaches who try to be general managers. You have to try to separate that if you can. Give me players that I that they know I can coach in my particular realm of offense and defense, and you have to have the right coordinators who are going to go along with you. It's it's not real hard. I don't think – I mean, college is really left, I think, kind of going to arrive because it's win now, PK. I think that's that's really what's happening, especially in college, is that, you know, back in the day, you would say, well, of course, you know, you'll get a, a complete recruiting class that runs through and it's a four-year or five-year deal. But, you know, how many how many coaches in the NBA and, and colleges and now in the NFL, it's one and done. If you can't make the turn and do it quickly, your job is done. So there's very little – uh, patience, and I think what you saw in Kansas City was they were totally bought in on Andy Reid after his days in Philly, and they realized what he could do. And the players bought in, and he brought in the enemy, Colorado running back, and you know it's got a heck of an offense. But yet he's got the tools, right? And they're willing to spend some cash. Look at the money uh, that they extended Mahomes, and you know sometimes franchises are there for write-offs and not for championships. And I think Kansas City made a big decision to go the opposite way, and that's to win. And I think they, they, you know, a lot of teams, you know, are competitive. And it's like the Jazz. What's the next step? That ne- that next step is razor thin from really good to excellent to, to contender to champion. And I think that the, the Chiefs made the decision to do that. And, again, you have to have some luck, right, uh, in, in the draft. And Mahomes just happens to be the right guy at the right time. And what Andy Reid has given him tools, but also – 
his system is is perfect for what for what Mahomes does. And I think a lot of coaches try to force their style or their offensive philosophy on players that don't fit what he's trying to do. And then you have have issues. I mean, my days with the Dolphins, uh, they had a rotating door of coaches down there when I was at CBS and working with Greasy and Bo Camper and Nat Moore. They all looked at me the same way and said, you know, this just doesn't work. We don't have the players to fit Nick Saban's style or Dave Winstead. I mean, it was just always some sort of an issue. And so you have to make the right decision on the coaches, and he has to be smart enough to realize, take advantage of the strengths, you know, the strengths that are on the roster. And a lot of coaches, the ego won't allow them. Uh, they have to force what they do instead of trying to adjust to the guys they have. Craig Bowlerjack joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You bring up the role ownership plays. And I'm curious, uh, you know, it's probably too early, but that's never stopped us before. Never. No, uh, it has not. After 35 years of the Millers uh, owning, owning the Jazz, now Ryan Smith is going to own the Jazz. What changes do you anticipate, and on what timeline do you think we might see those changes? Well, you know, no, no conversation from the Jazz or from Ryan in a de- in-depth, discussion until they they make the 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 sale uh real after the board of governors approve it which i don't see a problem by any means but you know i mean talking to him on the floor a few times uh he's energized uh talking to him on a zoom call i found that he was even more so um uh, he made it very clear that he wants his team to be at the highest of levels that's all he knows uh that's how he built his business and you know he's kind of a I would say he probably been mentored some by Mark Cuban because they're both you know tech guys who've made it big, and now are you know both are NBA owners. And I think you kind of see what Cuban did with Dallas, and I think you saw loyalty with Dirk and the Mavs and Cuban. And championship came, and you know they're still incredibly talented team with Porzingis and Luca. And I expect Dallas to be right back in our you know in the face in the West. So. I don't see the Jazz backing off by any means. Um, you know, to Gail and Larry and the Miller family, you know, I give my thanks. Uh, I don't think this this city would be the same by any means without what the Millers did. And Larry went out and stretched his neck to build, you know, the what's then Delta Center and now Vivint Arena. I mean, think of the the impact they've had um, around one NBA franchise. Granted, it helped their businesses. But also just to have this team, uh, I mean, change the whole fortunes of the state in so many ways and, and everyone surrounding Utah. So to them, I thank them. And, you know, for Ryan, I'm excited to see. Gail said it herself. You know, they went on a journey 35 years ago, and now it's time for Ryan and Ashley for their journey. And new blood, you guys have to, you have to be honest. Sometimes it's, it's just time. I think Gail felt it. It was just time to hand it off and let uh, Ryan and Ashley take it. As I said, that is a razor thin, you know, one step to the next level. And it's either, you know, one player, it's one decision to do you jump the, the salary cap, do you take, you know, roll the dice. But you also have Donovan Mitchell, who's one of the most young, influential players in the league, and to use, use him as a recruiting tool to bring in players, but yet those players cost money. And how competitive can you be or will you be um, with Ryan, and that's what I'm kind of waiting to see how aggressive he'll be and and decisions he'll descend, to, to, you know, to make to, to Dennis and and Z Justin Zanuck on saying let's go, and that's what it takes from an owner is to say go, 
and do it. And uh, we'll see if that happens or not. And free agency, which has to be, I mean, just around the corner. I think they're meeting as we speak uh, to make a decision on December 22nd and, and uh, December 1st training camps. You got about a week and a half or a week plus from from a draft, and then free agency is going to be a whirlwind. So there's a lot of ha- there's going to be a lot happening once the league and the players give their thumbs up on a restart or not restarting, but starting uh, this season, this new season, uh, the 2021 campaign. So I was thinking, and uh, you guys both chime in if you can come up with an example. I don't know. In modern times, has this this ever been done before, where a, a billionaire and we've had plenty of them, and obviously they're astute business people, man or woman, whatever they might be, but I don't know that a person has ever grown up a hardcore fan of a particular professional sports franchise and then turns around and owns that team. Cuban, mm-hmm. Cuban, I mean, let, Mark Cuban. Well, see, I don't know that he was a Dallas Mavericks fan for life. He's from Indiana. He started that broadcast mm, okay. thing so he can get Indiana Hoosier basketball games. So he was a season ticket holder, but right. that doesn't necessarily take him back to the age of seven or something. Right. Right. And, and playing and you've junior got Ryan's. jazz. Yeah. Yeah, like so, like Ryan admitted. Right. Ryan thought he'd be a <laughs> – Ryan thought he'd play for the jazz. Right, PK? I mean, he was a yeah. junior jazz player and then um, thought he'd, you know – be playing playing for Larry, but now he owns the team. Now, I, these are special. You're right. I mean, Cuban would come to mind too, DJ. But you're right, PK, Indiana hometown, but yet was a huge basketball fan. And then you know, obviously the tech money came in on a sale and was able to to, to purchase yeah, the Mavericks. And you got Balmer, you got Paul Allen, and these sure. guys are sports fans. Uh, maybe Paul Allen falls into the category with the Seahawks. I don't know. Uh, on that, but this is something that uh, you know. I, I Sarver down in Phoenix, I think, as a Tucson guy, uh, and so maybe that goes into it. But obviously, that hasn't gone well at all. <laughs> it's they've been well, a, a pretty P- a pretty good P- franchise. P- it's just hit the P- skids. And PK, you make a great point though. Being a fan and then transitioning into an owner. I mean, let's talk about that. That that can be disastrous, but Which also... Which is what it be, was exactly going to be my question to you. How do you think yeah. that will go? <laughs> well, you know what? When you go back, let's pedal back 35 years, and people don't realize Larry had never been to a game until he went right. with Sam Battistone, right? So, I mean, his fandom grew out of his ownership, and, and we know there were some hiccups along the way, and he had to really pull himself back um, and understand that owners can't do and be that emotional you know, we see it with Jerry Jones sometimes in Dallas, and uh, you know those those are you know you sit back and roll your eyes sometimes. But no, I think it's going to be a, a transition period too for Ryan because he set courtside just so our right when we used to set courtside in our broadcast positions with Greg uh, Greg Miller on many many nights, um, and that's where we had our chance just to say our hellos, but. I, that will be interesting, you know, because the love of a franchise runs deep. But if you own it, then I think you, of course, have to step back and readjust your fandom into ownership. And, you know, sep- if you can, you have to separate separate yourself and let Quinn do his job, let Dennis do his job. Now, look, you know, new ownership, 
usually means he's going to put his finger on this franchise in some way. Uh, you know, I don't see it. From what I understand, that's not the way he operates. He, he adjusts. He, he observes. And obviously with success, patience. So, uh, But he likes to get things done. And, and so that's going to be interesting to see the whole transition here this year, probably a, a season of, of, well, he's already, you know, PK, he's already watched the team, right? He's already probably in his mind analyzed everything. And he knows the way the system works within the, the Jazz, you know, office. So, yeah, maybe the transition just to ownership will be easier for him than an outsider. But you're right. I think you have to kind of pull back a bit when you own a team that you've loved since you were a kid. Um, and that, that'll be interesting to watch as well. Larry had to adjust, and I'm sure Ryan will do exactly the same thing. Yeah, I think a lot of the owners that you would talk about in that situation, PK, would be owners who knew they were going to inherit the team at some point, and that's kind of a different yeah. beast, you know. Right, exactly. The, the yes. Bidwells yes. in Arizona, the Rooneys, yes. the Maras, right. even Hal right. Steinbrenner. I think he was like, yeah, five when his dad bought the team or something like that. Right. Well, the so Dolan we understand family, that. I mean, that's, that's a different deal. There. Yeah. Every time we go to New York, you know, fans in New York. I mean, there's no love affair there. You know, it's just it's the Knicks, and that's a stunning uh, situation in New York where you would think that would be one of the destination points in the NBA, but once you land, you don't stay, and the fans understand that. And it's uh, it's an amazing place to go and call a game from Madison Square Garden, but uh, the love affair with fans and ownership there, is, uh, as we all know, is not is not the strongest. So, Bowler, with uh, this compressed free agency coming up, it seems like there are decisions to be made. I don't know when the Board of Governors is going to approve this sale, so I don't know how hands-on Ryan can be. But at the same point, given that he's apparently going to buy it, I don't know how hands-off he can be. Right. Uh, it's an unusual situation, and I don't know where I don't know where the line is. But you know, everybody talks about. Um, you know, the decisions that have to be made, there's really big decisions. They don't have a lot of money to send, but, you know, does Conley opt out and do they give him a two- or three-year deal and spread the money out? I mean, that that's a critical decision. And who's going to make it? How's, yeah. <laughs> how is this going to play out? That's a, well, that's a lot of money to just turn the basketball people loose on. I think most of the people running clubs would be going to the owners saying, how do you want to handle this? Yep. No, I totally agree. I don't know how it's all going to be played out. You know, if there's <clears throat> the Jazz have always played it. You know, the rules to the nth degree. At least everything I've, I've I've known, and I think you two have covered this franchise for many many years. And I don't. It, it's it's a tight look. How did how did the owner how did the sale not leak out? That tells me again just how tight lipped and how they do things. I mean, it goes all the way back to Scotty Layden and, and Kevin O'Connor, and now Dennis is that it's tight. What they've always done is protect the players, the ownership, and the franchise because the last thing they want is to have things jump out that aren't true, and then you you hurt players' relationships, et cetera, and you don't want to get in, in Dutch with, with the NBA, obviously, with a potential fine. So I don't know what the answer is um, on on what. Maybe there's an understanding when he signed or signs the papers on what what are gonna what's gonna happen, and there has to be some sort of a of a, a knowledge of his spendability uh, compared to what the Millers were were um, you know willing to do. But you're right about decisions. Mike uh, comes to the forefront. Jordan Clarkson uh, re-signing him, and then obviously Donovan's extension, and the big one 
that's there that has to be addressed is do you go supermax or do you convince Rudy that look will you're you know you're one of the highest paid centers or one of the highest paid players in the league there's only five or six right that are supermax but do you want to win a championship and I know I'm smoking blowing smoke here but in reality with that extra money uh, of course bring you the title you so well you know deserve and want um, and does Mike Conley believe in that same process as he's aging and, and years are running out in opportunities? This is his best opportunity to win and get into a Western Conference final, I would think. Um, even Memphis was good, but not to this level. <clears throat> so we'll see how it works out. Players will have to make some big decisions, their agents, I guess, and the Jazz will have to work alongside that, but... Ryan does walk into one of the most interesting years in Jazz franchise history when it comes to, to spending and contracts, right? I don't know. There was always that summer of Malone when Larry and he were always uh, kind of feuding through radio waves about, you know, I'm underpaid and I'll never play for the Jazz again. I mean, it was always a summer of, of intrigue. But this will be interesting. There's not much time, DJ, as you said. I mean, these decisions, if they haven't been made, they're going to have to be made and, and made overnight. And as Dennis has always told us, there's always plan A through Z. So you check off one and move on to the next. And that's what good franchises do. They have to have plans. And I'm sure that, that plan is, those plans are very deep and pretty much uh, on a chalkboard somewhere and uh, well-known by Ryan, uh, Ryan Smith as well. Well, Bowler, go Chiefs. <laughs> They're not on TV again because it's Carolina. I think people think that's going to be boring. I can't believe they haven't been on TV twice. They're on TV every week. Well, you know what, though? It's regional. As you know, mm. uh, when I was at CBS, I always looked at that uh, pie chart of you know how this, the country was chopped up. Ah, I got 11%. I tweeted, out, I tweeted out for you every week, Bowler. I know. I appreciate that, too, because I always look at that map. I go, not again. Come on. <laughs> but you know what also is a bummer is the doubleheader rule. You know, when the, know. the early game versus late, then the doubleheader on Fox. Or, yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it, sometimes it always gets caught that way. But remember, Midwest, we're in the West. It's all about the Broncos. So Yeah, you're getting a lot of Chiefs games here. It's, well, not, yeah. as, uh, it's not as much about the Broncos as you used to be. You know, yeah. the AFC West is getting some love, which yeah. is good. Yeah. But. Well, they got good teams. All right. Thanks, Bowler. We appreciate right, it. Talk to you soon.